Empire. A new club is trying to remove the sticker shock at checkout of the secondary marketplaces. Honestly, that's who's really making out on this. So when you go to some of these major companies, they're spending upwards individually five, six, seven hundred million dollars on paid search to get you in the door. But how can they afford that? It's because the fees. That's Cole Rubin, founder and CEO of C Club, who is looking to disrupt the marketplace with a new way to pass savings onto buyers. This is the Future Sport Podcast. I'm Bram Weinstein. These have become a priority of the current administration. That's not the opening that Cole Rubin was looking for specifically when he started C-Club, but it is part of the reasoning behind the startup. Fans want to see games without getting gouged. Our guest this week is Cole Rubin. He's the CEO of C-Club, which is trying to change the dynamic of the secondary ticket market by removing all of the excess fees for its members. Hey Cole, how are you? Graham, good to see you, thanks for having me on. You are what we call a disruptor, yes? I am a disruptor, yes. Some people call me that, some people <laughs> in my house call me that, but yeah. yes, I'm trying. Yeah, tell me about C-Club, and we are here actually taping this on Radio Row at the Super Bowl, which seems to be an apropos place to go and save yourself some money if you're going to spend the kind of money that would take to get into a venue like that for an event like something like this. 100%. Yeah, it's, it's my first time on Radio Row. There's a lot going on. So it's been a great day so far talking to a bunch of people about C-Club. But to give you background on C-Club, ticketing is really in a tough place right now as it relates to the expense of going to these shows, games, concerts. And what's happening is consumers are already fed up with the high price of ticketing, that adding this extra layer of 20 to 30% in fees on top of an already expensive ticket is just a tough pill for them to swallow. So C-Club, our model is subscription-based. For $99 a year, you'll get access to the same exact tickets that all the other marketplaces have without any fees or markups. So to your point, for an event like Super Bowl, we've been selling a lot of Super Bowl packages and tickets just last night, we had somebody spend $32,000 on four tickets for the game. They reached out and let me know that they saved $7,000 in fees on the same exact tickets on our site compared to somebody else. And all it cost them was a $99 a year membership, which was incredible. That's 70 years of membership paid in that one event. Okay, can you explain how you have access to the same tickets that say the other secondary market marketplaces have? Yeah, I think it's common knowledge, uh, not only in the industry, but with consumers, that when you're shopping these sites, you're typically seeing the same exact tickets on every single marketplace, just at a different price. And so we're able to have access to all that same inventory, and the only difference is we're passing that direct cost right along to our customers. So what's happening right now with customers that's getting them very frustrated is they'll go on one site look at a pair of tickets, spend five minutes getting through the checkout process just to see a 30, 35% fee tacked on at the end. Then they'll go to another site to look at that same exact set of tickets, same process, then another site. And what's happening is these sites aren't being transparent on the front end with what your out the door price is going to be. So not only are we saving people money, giving them access to the same inventory, but we're saving them time. And I also think 
there are sites that aren't marketing themselves in a transparent way. We're, we're hearing a lot about fees. There are sites out there that say, we don't charge fees. But what they're doing is they're not charging fees on the back end, but they're baking their profits into the actual cost of the ticket. And so I believe, and you use the term disruptor, this industry is right for disruption. People are fed up and frustrated with the ticketing process, and they just want something transparent. And that's what we're looking to do. And to your point, we have access to the same inventory that these other marketplaces have. Can you explain how you have access to it? I think there's probably a common belief that they yeah. are controlled by some of these kind of mega conglomerates. How, how do you have that access? So when you go on these sites, you're thinking that the majority of inventory are season ticket holders that are posting their inventory for sale. Not true. Not true, right? right. The majority of the inventory on these sites will be from quote unquote professional resellers where they're taking the team's inventory, whether they have official partnerships with teams, or they're just buying inventory, and they're distributing that inventory across all of the marketplaces at the same time. And their belief is let some, some marketplaces advertising dollars sell our tickets. So that's really what's going on in the ticketing ecosystem is you have the owner of the tickets that are listing them on multiple marketplaces. All the marketplaces are tying into the same inventory feeds and they're really just spending their marketing dollars on customer acquisition costs. And so when you look at these fees, what they're really doing is it's funding the marketing efforts of these companies that are collectively spending billions on Google. I mean, honestly, that's who's really making out on this. And so when you go to some of these major companies, they're spending upwards individually, five, six, seven hundred million dollars on paid search to get you in the door. But how can they afford that? It's because the fees are giving them the money to pour back into the marketing. So it's this vicious cycle where the consumer is paying for that marketing. Okay, so how do you, knowing that's the case, compete with that if they're going to dump this kind of money and you're trying to educate people there's a better way to go about this? Right. So I think, candidly, that's going to be our biggest challenge. How do we educate people on what's going on with ticketing that we're a legitimate, incredible site? And how do they just find out that this is an option? Everyone that we spoke to on Radio Row today, and we've had athlete endorsers that are helping us out here, every single person has been blown away with the value proposition. Right? We're showing them in real time what's happening. And so once we can show it to somebody that this value proposition is real, you're saving real economics, they're a believer. And so how do we get to that person? I don't think we're doing paid advertising. Right? I think that just what I said previously, You'd have to have a massive budget to do that. In order to fund that massive budget, you'd have to be charging a lot of fees. I think the way to do it is partnerships. I think it's going to companies that have a large subscriber base or following and saying, hey, listen, we're C-Club. Here's what we offer. We think your followers or your subscribers or your members will love this. Let's figure out an economic deal for you to pass this along to your users. And so there's partnerships. There is fan organizations, right? Every team has multiple fan clubs that have loyal, devoted fans that are spending their hard-earned dollars going to games, tapping into those markets. I think youth sports is tremendous, right? We've already done some smaller conversations and partnerships with youth sports leagues that are saying, yeah, our families are spending a ton of money on taking their kids to events. And I'm saying, hey, I think there's a way for C-Club to partner with you and share in some of the economics. I'm not looking at this as a transactional business. Can we make money on every single ticket sale? It's how can we get this in the hands of fans that will use this and love it? And when I say fans, this isn't just sports. Concerts are massive. 
right? Taylor Swift, the average cost of a family to go to a Taylor Swift show, I'm not even going to say family, because four people is like $10,000, just for a mother and daughter, a father and daughter, father and son, you were looking at $5,000 to go to a Taylor Swift show. If we're saving on average on a show for Taylor Swift, 20%, there's $1,000 of savings for somebody. And it's tapping into those fan clubs, music as well, to share with them the value proposition of Seacom. Okay, um, wh- how do you think about what you're doing? Do you think that some of these groups will change business practices? It sounds like that's a goal of yours. Do you realistically think that that can happen? So I think the way we've built this business is we're relying on running a lean operation in order to be able to pass these tremendous savings along to the customers, right? To charge $99 a year, you have to get to a decent amount of customers to to really have an economic impact. I don't think the other big companies that are out there with all the overhead that they have in these large corporations are able to match the model that we have. And so when I really think about the business, Right now, there's about 25 million people, give or take, let's say 20 to 25 million people that are in our, in our TAM, right, in our addressable market of people that are buying secondary market tickets. We could build a great business if we had 1% of that, right? If we had 250,000 people that are, that are doing this, right, yeah. that are signing up, that's a great business for us. That doesn't change Ticketmaster or StubHub or SeatGeek. And so my thought is, they might be okay with a new entrant into the ticketing space if we're only peeling off, you know, 1%, 2% of market share. This pie is growing every year. Um, now, if I'm talking about pie in the sky and if this business takes off in a meaningful way, absolutely this could disrupt this industry. Why would somebody want to pay 10, 20, 30% more for the same exact ticket than they yeah. can pay for at C-Club? And so that's the goal. And, and we live in a world where things go weekend at Super Bowl, we're partnering with a major influencer, and we're giving a family that otherwise couldn't afford to go to the Super Bowl, we're surprising them with two tickets to the Super Bowl. You've gone full Mr. Beast here. Yeah. I, I think this influencer that we've partnered with, uh, MD Motivator, his name is Zachary, great yeah. human being. So he's done this in the past and has gotten hundreds of millions of views for doing something like this. Um, number one, it's the right thing to do. Every great moment I've had with either my father or my sons and daughter and wife have revolved around going to events. And so to be able to do that for a family that wouldn't have otherwise been able to do it, it's great. Maybe this goes viral, maybe it takes off. But you never know the things that you do in business that'll work. I've been in business for a while, I've had some success, made my share of mistakes as well along the way. It's sometimes the things that you don't anticipate going well that really happen for you. And so we'll see, but we live in a world where if somebody has a good idea, People want to pass that along to others. Yep. Uh, what is your background? Like, what were you doing before all of this? So I, I always loved sports and entertainment, and the idea of trying to make money and provide a living and, and a roof over my head to do it um, was what I wanted to do from a young age. So I went to school at George Washington University. Uh, they had a sports marketing program, and they were one of the first schools to have that. And my, no, my now father-in-law joked with me at the time 20-some years ago, how are you going to provide for my daughter in sports management, sports marketing? I said, I'll, I'll find a way. I paid my way through college doing travel packages for Ravens away games. <laughs> I know. That's what I did. And so we found hundreds of people that wanted to go to Ravens away yeah. games, and I would provide the airfare, 
hotel, the ticket, the tailgate. And it was a great living for a college kid. I mean, I was making low six figures in college providing these travel packages. And so once I leaned into that, I recognized that the most scalable part of that business was the ticketing. And so I became fascinated, completely enamored by ticketing. And every time the Ravens would play a road game, I would meet the head of ticketing for Team X, the, the Commanders, the Dolphins, the Jaguars, and just learn about their ticketing practice. And so after school, once I started out, I realized there's a real issue in ticketing, and this is when the secondary market was starting to become more above board. StubHub was becoming professionalized. People felt comfortable buying on the secondary market. Um, the teams really didn't have an idea of how their tickets were being traded. Frankly, the teams didn't have an idea of how to price their tickets. There was no such thing back then as dynamic pricing. And so through the relationships we had with the organizations, we introduced dynamic pricing, helped the teams to figure out how to optimize their revenue, and started a company, Dynasty Sports Entertainment. Now it's known as Logitix. And we work with a tremendous amount of rights holders, professional sporting teams, colleges, artists, venues, helping them to price and distribute their inventory. Had a great run there. Um, had a successful exit, business is in great hands, still doing very well. And in my time kind of away from running a business, I've been taking my kids to events and that's where this Seat Club idea was born that I'm spending too much money to take my family to these events. Future Sport is a presentation of Empire Media, a B2B and B2C podcast and digital company dedicated to making your business or brand be heard. Internal or external content creation that will have a lasting impact on your strategy, consulting, creation, and production, all to help you effectively communicate your message in any marketplace. Learn more at empiremedia.com, A-M-P-I-R-E media.com. You probably know this, and I'm just viewing it from afar, but you you follow the actual literal data. You know, I see Lions fans overtaking stadiums. You, We see in our stadium a lot of visiting fans come. You're starting to see this everywhere. Is this more of a trend that you're seeing, that people travel to games? Is it just, am I just thinking, am I seeing something that isn't already there, or is this a new trend that people want to travel more to see their teams play? I mean, I think in the early 2000s, late 90s, I was that guy that was traveling. There weren't as many of us back then. And so, yes, people want to travel. People in today's world want to experience things, share those events with their loved ones, with their friends. I I think the question maybe you should ask is, is that an optics problem for teams? You're seeing stadiums, um, you know, SoFi, for example. When you see the 49ers play the Rams, how much rhetoric? Jerry World. I was surprised to see how many Lions fans showed up to Arrowhead on opening night. It was a lot of blue in that stadium. That's a tough place to get a ticket to, but it just feels to fall into in line of a trend of fans want to go travel to see their teams. It's a different experience than going to the home games. A hundred percent. I took my two boys to the Ravens 49ers game on Christmas. That's all they wanted to do over the holidays. And it was an experience that we'll never forget. And I think that, you know, not to tie this back into sequel, but when you have Lions fans that are going to Arrowhead for the banner raising, they're spending a fortune to go to that one game. Just the savings on that one game is worth the $99 membership. And so I think the younger generation just wants to experience live and going on a road trip, 
there's no better thing than going with your friends or your family to experience the team you love or to go see a concert. Um, I, I believe that live is everything, and live, unfortunately, is getting extremely expensive and pricing a lot of people out of it. Yep. All right, uh, tell me a little bit about policy for a moment and how you're thinking about how the government is looking into all of this. It's become, fees has become a thing of at least of this administration. They've talked about it with banks. They've talked about it with ticketing services. How are you seeing, what is the future there? Do you think government will get more involved in that industry? So just two days ago, uh, the president tweeted that the common person is, I don't know the terminology he used, but the fees, these drip fees, right, when you, when you introduce them at the end, they have to go. And that's not just in event ticketing, that's in hotels, that's in airlines. And so the current administration has made a point to say, we are going to end this practice of not just fees, but the fees that are, are not disclosed at the beginning. And so what we'll see is companies will still charge fees, but within the next year to two years, I think that the fees will be disclosed at the front end. And so consumers will see up front what they're paying for, and they won't be surprised at, at the very end. And frankly, for C-Club, that's great because consumers will be comparing apples to apples and see the price on C-Club versus the price on a competitor and see the savings versus right now with drip pricing, you're sometimes seeing a, a less expensive ticket on a competing site until the very end. Um, that's what the government's trying to do. Who knows? I mean, there's a, there's a bigger conversation about government of what can get passed and what can't get passed. But I think bipartisan, people are sick of these undisclosed fees. And in the next 12 to 24 months, I believe that we'll see a different ecosystem for fees across all tourism events, uh, travel. All right, last thing, this is a technology show. Yep. How are you thinking about search, how people use your platform, and how technology kind of falls into this category of being a service that people want to use? I think that it's a great question. People don't have patience. And so you don't want to give someone a platform that they have to go through eight, nine, 10 steps to transact. We're building our product so that's very quick with social sign-on, with Apple Pay to sign up for a membership. We have one screen to where you can purchase a ticket. We want to make this process that in the past has been really cumbersome for people to buy tickets. Tell me the last time somebody had a great experience buying a ticket, right? And you laugh, but that's the truth. <laughs> Frankly, this might not come off as right. We're building this product for someone like me where I want to go to an event, I want to be able to find that event in 10 seconds. I just want to buy this. I yeah. just want to buy this. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. I want to see what I'm paying. And so I, I'm, listen, I'm not going to pretend to be the world's best technologist. I know what I like. I'm a consumer. Okay? Yeah. I like to buy event tickets. It's probably the thing I know the most about in my life. So we're building a product for people like me that just want to have a seamless, transparent experience to buy a ticket. Simple. Cole Rubin is the CEO of C-Club. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Really appreciate it. On the next Future Sport Podcast, Cosm wants to take you to a new modern immersive viewing experience. In LA, we are just between SoFi Stadium and the Intuit, like right in the mm-hmm. middle of it. So looking to co-program with it, looking to find ways to add value to that district. So yes, partnership matters. We've also announced a big deal with um, uh, Cirque du Soleil. Yeah. Right? So uh, those big entertainment all access to what you can't get. Um, and so we see that across everything. And so that's the, the core unlock to our strategy is adding value across the staff. And, and do that.
That's Jeb Terry, CEO and president of Cosm, who is looking to build the next great modern sports viewing gathering place. That will do it for this episode. As always, the future is now. This is the Future Sport Podcast. I'm Graham Weinstein.